How likely is it that Utah abandons the Pac-12 and goes to the Big 12? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcasts. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. If this is your first time joining our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. Love to interact with you guys in the comments as well as on social media. You can follow our show at Locked On Utes. On today's show, we're going to be talking about fall camp and the toughest road games that Utah has on their schedule. But first, we're going to be talking about Utah as it pertains to the Pac-12 media rights deal, the biggest talking point in college sports right now, basically. And in order to help me do that, it's ESPN 700's Bill Riley, the voice of the Utes. And Bill, I thought there were, there's always new information that comes out of this Pac-12 media rights deal saga. And I thought the latest came from a, in a very interesting piece by now Yahoo Sports' Ross Dellinger, who said it when discussing the state of the Pac-12 situation, schools with more lucrative television offers presumed to be Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah have a decision to make, accept an invitation from the Big 12 or remain with the Pac-12. We've heard all kinds of different things about if the Big 12 does or does not want Utah. There's lots of stuff out there. If they wanted to stay at 14, go to 16. This is where all this information can get kind of jumbled and just difficult to discuss. But when saying how likely it is that Utah abandons the Pac-12 and goes to the Big 12, I still feel like when all this is done, Utah is going to end up in the Pac-12. But the longer the media rights saga drags on, the more likely it does seem that there is at least a probability that Utah could end up in the Big 12, Bill. I don't know. That's my answer That's to you. Answer. I don't know. <laughs> That's there, a good there's answer. information out there. Ross Dellinger is a very good reporter, but his mm-hmm. piece was thin on information. We got no details. Unless you're in the room and you see what those details mm-hmm. are, I don't think anybody knows. Will Utah go to the Pac-12 or stay in the Pac-12? It depends on what the deal is. It's what we have said for the last nine months. Until you see what the final numbers on that deal are, JT, nobody knows. Once you see what those final numbers are, and maybe they got those on Monday, and now they're mulling it over. Um, but it's got to be a deal that keeps them competitive now and gives them security for the future. So I think they saw what the deal was or multiple deals were that were presented by George Klyovkov, and now they have to decide what's right for them. And, you know, whether that's a total streaming component, there was nothing mentioned about a linear component. Mm-hmm. Um, they were talking about numbers with incentives to get you close to the Big 12 deal. Athletic departments are businesses that rely very heavily on media rights deals. They rely on football and ticket sales and revenue there and the, and the TV rights because nothing else makes money. Basketball might pay for itself and the rest of the Olympic sports are losers when it comes to financial situations. They're, they're, neg- they're net negatives mm-hmm. in athletic departments. So you require a television media rights deal and high ticket sales in football and maybe a little bit of men's basketball too to basically cover your entire athletic department. And so what now Utah and Oregon and Washington and Arizona and Arizona State have to figure out is, is the deal that's been presented by the commissioner, George Klyovkov, going to be good enough to give us security that we can pay our bills and keep the lights on in the athletic department. Now about offers from other conferences. I don't know. 
The Big 12 has talked a good game about wanting to expand and add at least one, if not three more members to get to either 14 or 16. They've already taken Colorado away. Um, if you believe the reports, Utah might be in that mix. So I think what they're doing right now, whether it's Utah or anybody else, is examining what that deal was that was presented the other day by George Klyovkov and then deciding, okay, that and do we have a plan B? If we're not going to accept that, do we have a plan B? Do we have a fallback, something that's as good or better than what we're being offered by our conference? And because you're not in the room, I'm not in the room, Ross Dellinger, Pat Forty, Pete Thamel, nobody's in the room. You're relying on secondhand intel. What we've read so far, I feel like it's kind of thin. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's more that we didn't see, but I feel like what we've had reported to us feels pretty thin right now. So I'm interested, like everybody else is, to see what happens. I absolutely agree with you, especially on, like you said, just the lack of numbers and all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, just so many like unverified accounts. And I know the verification and Twitter thing, but more so just the, the sources we trust with not information that relates to the numbers or the specifics. Are you surprised about the lack of information that has leaked about this deal? Because I certainly am to a certain extent, just because of the, the level of media, media members that don't seem to have those specific downs. It does seem interesting to me. Well, they've kept a pretty tight circle. George Klyovkov has really through yes. the negotiations. It's been kind of him and maybe one other person. So he's kept it tight. But but the other day, I, I, I think the numbers must have been good enough that nobody lost their minds yes. and said, I'm mm -hmm. out of here. I'm gone. I'm leaving. But if they were if they were killer numbers, you know, we were kind of led to believe by some of the comments of Pac-12 Media Day that, you know, there might be an ace up the sleeve, that maybe this deal was going to be I kind of feel like if, the, if it was a killer deal, mm -hmm. one that you couldn't turn down, maybe we would have heard a little bit more positivity coming out. To me, it's sitting somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. You know, is it's not quite good enough to walk away from, but it's not quite good enough to say, yeah, I'm in. And I think that's why Utah and the rest of the Pac-12 or Pac-9 or whatever we're calling them right now are kind of back on campus mulling it over and figuring out what their options are. Yeah, and the people mulling over and figuring out the options, or at least the Chiefs ones decided to do that for the University of Utah, are Mark Harlan and President Randall. You, of course, have interviewed Mark Harlan multiple times. We've heard his comments that he's made um, to certain reports early on, just calling them out, saying they were not accurate at the time. But just knowing Mark Harlan, what do you do? How do you feel like him and President Randall are operating? Do you think they are kind of in that wait and gather all the information to make the best informed decision? Yeah, well, they're, they're two very sharp guys. I mean, Taylor Randall ran the business school at Utah for so many years, so very sharp. And Mark, I mean, he was just named Athletic Director of the Year in the NCAA. These are two sharp guys. So, yeah, I do. But I, here, here's what I believe, JT. I believe that Utah, like a lot of schools, want the Pac-12 to stay together. I do, or Pac-10 or whatever we're going to call it. I don't believe anybody necessarily wants to leave. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to look out for what's best for your institution. As loyal as you want to be to a conference, your ultimate responsibility as a president and an AD is to your institution. So you want to stay with the Pac-12, but you have to protect Utah if you're Mark Harlan and Taylor Randall. So that's the conundrum. That's what they're weighing right now. And I firmly believe, you know, people are like, well, they've got to, they've got to take this offer. They've got to jump and take this offer. They're smart guys. They've mm -hmm. got to have a plan B. Nobody in the position they're in puts all their eggs in one particular basket. I'm sure there's a plan B, if not a plan C as well. But I think they'd like plan A to work out if it's possible.
They definitely would. And it goes back to the kind of the business analogy you made earlier, talking about Utah and every institution as a business. You, like you said, the Pac-12 is kind of like Utah's friend. Like Utah would like to do business with their friend, the Pac-12. But if it got bad enough to that point, they would explore other options. So it sounds like we're both hopeful it works out in the Pac-12 as well. And it's just going to be very interesting to continue to monitor this situation. But we do have other stuff going on outside of media rights talk as fall camp is a couple practices. You mean there's football going on? There is just a little little bit. Yeah. It's, it's hard to cover right now. It's getting swept up in all this crazy news we got going on. But we are going to talk about some of our early takeaways from fall camp in one moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Make sure you guys head over and add your job to the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Bill, you've had an opportunity to head up to fall camp now and talk to Kyle Whittingham. We also got a ton of the assistant coaches, the, of course, Morgan Scally, Andy Ludwig as well. I'm curious for you, for me, my biggest takeaway was just hearing about some of the newcomers, see, seeing how Micah Pittman's already hit the ground running. Same thing for Emory Simmons, it sounds like. But I'm curious for you, what have been your biggest takeaways from what you've heard so far? Well, that everybody was out there participating, even if they're out there kind of in a limited basis. Cam was out there going through stuff. He's not cleared for contact. Keithy was the same way. Those guys are big. Van Fillinger's back. Jonah Ellis is back. The guys were, you know, Nate Ritchie was a full go the other day as well. He battled injuries in the spring. But what you brought up, JT, is interesting because uh, we always take note when Kyle Kyle Whittingham name checks guys, Mm -hmm. especially early in camp. And for him on day one, to name check both Micah Pittman and Emory Simmons at wide receiver, two guys that could be big play guys in that wide receiver room, I thought was interesting. Now, it's only day one. We shouldn't get too excited. But again, Kyle's not one of those guys that necessarily calls out by name a lot of players. So for those two guys to get name checked on day one, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I did as well. And I got one final question before we get you out of here. Speaking of newcomers, I also thought it was very interesting that Andy Ludwig brought up not just Spencer Fanu, but Caleb Lomu as well. Now it's very hard for offensive linemen to play in their freshman season. This is not like a Clark Phillips coming in on the outside, just the physicality that required playing along the offensive line. I just feel like you got to add a certain amount of weight and strength to be able to start there. So I don't think any of us are expecting the Utah offensive line to trot out against Florida and see Spencer Fanu and Caleb Lomu out there. But I still thought it was noteworthy that they were brought up by coach Ludwig so early bill well yeah I mean and especially at Utah where they usually always have good depth you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it's not you're not going to a lesser program that's that's always battling to put offensive linemen in there for a true freshman like a Lomu or a a Fano to be name checked by that coach tells you 
they're at least in the mix. And it also speaks to the depth um, there. I would be surprised if Falcon Kamatule isn't starting at left tackle. Mm -hmm. But again, the more these young players get named and talked about tells you they're at least in the mix. So that, yeah, that that's, that's interesting on that offensive line. Kyle did say the other day when I asked him if they were starting today, they know who their five would be, but fall camps a competition and they're not starting today. They're still 28, 29 days away. So they're going to they're gonna give it their best shot to see what the competition looks like. Yes, they will. And I still remember how surprised I was last year just when the depth chart kind of flipped on its head and then all of a sudden you see Satao Laumea over at right tackle instead of right guard and the changeup that all happens there. It's always crazy when uh, just all the things that can happen over the course of fall camp. And, Bill, we're hoping one of those is a media rights deal. (laughs) If we don't have a media rights deal by the time the opener rolls around, I'm not sure what the conference is going to look like because I'm just not sure anybody has the patience to wait another four weeks, JT. I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be crazy to see how it all plays out, but we greatly appreciate you for joining us, Bill. Make sure you guys check check out Bill every single day on ESPN 700. And, Bill, we appreciate you spending the time with us again. Anytime. That's going to do it for Bill, but we are not done quite yet here on Locked On Utes. We are going to keep things rolling as we continue to discuss all the latest in conference realignment on a future episode, but I do want to keep it here and just continue to talk about just the general stuff we kind of have going on right now, just across the landscape that is college football at the moment as I, there we go. Eventually I was going to be able to get my view right for those of you watching on YouTube and uh, appreciate all of you listening on podcast and audio as well. But as for other fall camp, big takeaways. Now I will say I'm recording this in Wednesday afternoons so is before the latest media availability. I am excited to, when we get to hear from the players, right? Are they, is cam rising going to be available? Are we going to hear from cam about his health? Um, I expect him to still continue to talk about being on track, being ready to go by the time the Florida game rolls around. But those things always sound good, and then you get to that point where, like, right before the game time decision, and then Cam won't be able to go, right? So that's why there's still that question of will Cam play, will Cam not play? If I still had to guess, I think Cam Rides is going to play the first game, but I will not fall out of my chair if it's Brandon Rose jogging out with the first-team offense against the Gators because we're just going to continue to see how his production goes. But it is so important that uh, Pittman Simmons have hit the ground running already, getting their chemistry, and Brant Keithy sounds really close to 100%, so getting him – excuse me, back at full strength is going to be huge for this Utah pass catching corpse overall. I'm very excited to see what those guys will be able to bring as well. And as for other player questions, I always love hearing from guys like Junior Tafuna, just what they've added to their game. Um, you know, someone like Tafuna, I'm sure he would like to be more of a, a, pa- a little bit more of a pass rusher this season. I think that when you look at his game, he is an elite run defender. He's one of the best run stopping defensive tackles in the Pac 12, but his pass rush production did fall off last season. I think he had one to one and a half sacks a year ago, and that was after having four as a freshman. Now, sacks are a very situational type of thing. You can have something like we look back at 21, maybe on that play. Devin Lloyd was rushing the passer. He forces the quarterback to step up in the pocket. Then what happens? That's when you get Tafuna taking advantage of that. Utah's defensive ends did struggle a little bit more last year, so they weren't able to get around the edge, therefore forcing quarterbacks to step up. That's where Tafuna is able to feast. So I do think with better edge rushers, that's something that would help Tafuna, but I'd love to hear what he's added to his repertoire. Um, just hear about the new guys, like Aliabani Damuni hear more about when it went into his decision to come up to the U, what his first impressions are being inside the program for these last couple of days after spending so much time outside of it. I think that's also something that I'd be very curious to hear from him about too. And overall, just when talking about fall camp takeaways, as I said, I'm just very excited about the offensive line, the state of that with the depth you got. My biggest question is still Falcon Kalmatule at left tackle, just because we haven't seen 
seen him go out there yet and seen how that is all going to go. But I have faith in Jim Harding. How can you not after what he's done with this offensive line year after year? Struggling early on in 2021, boom, Bam Olesenian at left tackle. Braden Daniels solidifies the right tackle spot, and then you're in business from there. Then you look at last year, right? The move just makes the Tao Lao Mayo right tackle. I didn't love it. I don't think it worked perfectly, but it was definitely effective, and you have to give credit. So Tao, especially as a run blocker, really helped open things up for this unit. And every time the offensive line has an injury, they're fine. I mean, think about it. How many times has the offensive line missed a starter over the years, whether it's a Nick Ford, Paul Miley last year, um, when Kump went down, like just all these different guys over the course of these years we can look back on. How many times has a guy gone down, and then Utah's fine. Their offensive line doesn't miss a beach. Beat. That's all credit to Jim Harding overall, his coaching, the development they have. And I'm very excited. I think the first time we'll see Caleb Lomu and Spencer Fano, if I'm a betting man, is going to be that week three game against Weber State. So I'm very excited to see what those guys look like when they trot out there. There's going to be other offensive linemen too, continue to jockey for this job. I mean, where's Jaron Kump in on all this? Just speaking of Kump, I mean, look back at 2021, starting left tackle, goes through the injury. Ends up last year as kind of this reserve jack-of-all-traits guys. Comes in, plays a lot of guard for Utah. And we've already can play all five spots along the offensive line. So where does he fit in for this coming season? Do they move him back out to tackle? How does that shake out? He he was who I thought was going to be this team's right tackle last year. I thought it was going to be Satawa Laumea at right guard. But Jim Harding and this staff have shown a willingness to mix and match and move guys around to get the what they feel is the best five combination. And I trust them to make those decisions overall. So I think it's great that everyone's healthy. Everyone's in fall camp early. Cam's continuing to progress, which is outstanding because Utah wants to have any chance of the college football playoff and repeating as Pac-12 champions just flat out in general. They need a healthy Cam rising, of course. So a lot of fascinating stuff to monitor here. And I'm excited to see how it, this just things continue to evolve over fall camp. And what we continue to hear uh, just – coming out from camp overall we're going to continue to react to kind of all the comments and just everything we hear from fall camp overall here on locked on Utes as it continues to wear on and uh hopefully sooner or later that's the only thing we'll be talking about is fall camp production and not a back 12 media rights deals and uh after Pac-12 media rights deals hopefully wrapped up after fall camp wraps up. We'll, of course, have finally gotten into the Utah football season. And with that comes a grueling road test for this Utah football team, not on just one occasion, but multiple occasions. When you're talking about the game at Baylor, when you're talking about the game at Oregon State, when you're talking about having to go into USC, going to Washington, I even think Arizona at the end of the season is going to be a tough game for the Utes as well. So just a season littered with tough road games. So in asking the question, what is the toughest road game Utah will have? I think there's a lot of contenders, right? Because if you were to ask me, what's going to be the toughest environment Utah is going to play in for actors outside, uh, factors outside of the team they're going to be playing against, right? Uh, the first thing I think of just when, once again, factoring what's the toughest environment, I think of Baylor and not just for the weather, but just the fans. Look, I, as you guys know, who've listened to the show for a while, I played football down in high school in Texas. Um, oh my gosh. Going to get a little tongue tied right now. I played my high school football down in Texas. It, it football is different down there and rice echo stadium is an incredible atmosphere. So I'm not saying like the atmosphere is like that. I'm not trying to do some, take a shot or anything like that, but I'm just saying like in Texas, it's just a different vibe. The tailgates, everything, the amount of people that are going to be there. Waco is going to be rocking. And I think that in terms of environment and also factoring the heat is going to be the craziest environment that Utah plays in this season. I think nothing will 
top that. Now, I do think Utah is a substantially better team than Baylor on paper, so that should allow them to win that game. But I just think, like I said, the environment, and I really have a lot of respect for Dave Aranda, and I do think it's going to be hard for Utah to move the ball on that Baylor offense, good Baylor defense, because I think they are just always a really good defensive team. Offensively, we'll, we'll see how, they, how that all shakes out. Um, but moving on from that, as for toughest road game, uh, it's weird because I've actually recently just predicted. I still think Utah's going to end up beating USC, but I obviously we can all see them losing that game, right? I mean, I as much as Utah beat them twice last year, it's still Lincoln Riley, it's still Caleb Williams, it's still a team that spent most of the season in the top ten, and you have to go to their building and win, and they're going to be extra motivated to try and beat Utah. It's going to be a tough game, and it's probably all those factors that lead to me saying it's going to be the toughest. I really think the USC game is the toughest road game in, on Utah's schedule. I think most people would agree with that in terms of a rankings, but I just think when you put in all the equations and once again, just a motivated Caleb Williams, I know Utah fans, we don't love Caleb Williams because of the, everything, some of the antics and stuff that have occurred, but just evaluate the football player. I mean, he's made some of the most as Utah fans. We've been spoiled, honestly, with some of the quarterbacks we've been able to watch play. And I'm not even talking about all the miraculous plays that cam rising is makes. Um, we've been so lucky to have cam these last two years and just the special plays he's made, but to be able to be up close and watch a CJ Stroud, watch a Caleb Williams guys who are going to be NFL starters for a long time. In my opinion, I, I feel really lucky in that. And uh, this season, the PAC 12, as we know, the quarterback talent is so special that that is what this off season is. Go I mean, this season's just going to be about watching going down and playing a guy like DJU and Jaden Delora guys with a lot of upside um, taking on Shador Sanders. I know that one's not on the road, but just a lot of quarterbacks with high upside when it comes to NFL potential and guys who all three of those guys, I do expect to get drafted. Maybe not a DJU. He's got to rehabilitate his kind of stock and image a little bit. I think after the, some of those struggles at Clemson, but those of you listen to the show also know, I, I like DJU. I actually think he's going to have a much better year. And I think he was made out to be the scapegoat of Clemson for a lot of the other issues that they had. And uh, speaking of media rights stuff, I don't know if you guys have seen some of that too, but it is kind of crazy that Clemson and the ACC are starting to go through their own media rights issues as well. It's, uh, it's just that time of year. So for what I said, I just think Utah, um, USC deserves, in my opinion, if you, if it wasn't for Utah schedule, if Utah had an easier schedule, I think I would say Utah deserves to be the favorite to repeat as Pac-12 champions, but just knowing Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams in their second year, and it's a tough schedule, but I don't think it's as tough as what Utah has since like they get teams like Utah at home. A couple of those games break their way, in my opinion. I think USC deserves to be the favorite to win the conference. So anytime you have to go on the road to the preseason favorite to win the conference, I think that's going to be the toughest game you end up playing overall. So that's for me where I'll go number one there. As for the second toughest game Utah has to play, this is where I will go Washington. I just think the talent of Michael Penix, the elite pass rush, the dynamic receivers on the outside is going to make winning in Husky Stadium incredibly challenging for this Utah football team. Not impossible and something I definitely think they can do, but I'd probably go that one second just because of the quality of the team. Um, and you could easily convince me my third team, Oregon State, should be above them. When predicting Utah's record recently, I actually had them using as well. And we'll get to record predictions on Lockdown News. We'll see if my opinion is that this – by that point, I've changed it all. But at the moment, I see Utah's 10-2 and two with those two losses coming to Washington and a Oregon State. And once again, I know I said USC's the toughest road game. I just think that's the one that Utah rises up and they're able to win. I do think Utah will win, for sure win one of those games against Oregon State, Washington, or Utah. Just teams this good don't go 0-3 in their biggest road games. And I believe this Utah team is special. I think with last year's schedule, we'd be once again talking about them as a college football playoff contender. It's just the fact that you have to only lose one game and win your conference and you have four absolutely brutal gauntlet games on the road is what holds me back from making that point overall. But so yeah, I would go USC one Washington two, Oregon state three, and then Baylor is where I would go for. And Arizona is a very sneaky number five. 
for those of you that'll listen to my show with uh, Locked On Pac-12 Spencer's McLaughlin, uh, we are going to talk about how Arizona has a chance to make some noise against Utah. And I could absolutely see that being an upset. If I'm not saying it's likely, I'm not saying, but I'm not saying like in no world world, Kyle Whittingham's Utah team lose to Arizona. No, Jed Fish's team is on the rise and upsets happen in college football every single season. Utah has done a good job avoiding them recently, but remember when Utah lost to San Diego State a couple years ago? That happened. Remember when Utah lost to Baylor? And I know that was with Charlie Brewer, but I'm just saying, look across the college football landscape. Upsets happen every single season, especially road upsets, like Utah losing at UCLA last year. I believe if that game was at Rice-Eccles, I believe Utah beats UCLA. And UCLA was a really good team last year. Also, that UCLA team, Lost to Arizona last year. So it's going to be very interesting for Utah, but I do believe their toughest road game is going to be in the Coliseum. But what do you guys think about the Pac-12 media rights deal? Your biggest takeaways from fall camp so far? And of course, what do you think Utah's toughest road game is going to be? Also, make sure you guys comment some questions below. I'll try to answer them later on this week on the show as it relates to Pac-12 media rights deal. Every time I hit end on, on these recordings, you never know. The next time I come on, we could be talking about a Pac-12 media rights deal. But the reason I say could and not likely will be is because more than likely we won't be with how long this saga has continued to drag on. But as it continues to drag on, even once it's over, there's lots of great stuff to talk about with Utah football. Because once again, less than 30 days away from Utah football officially being back. And we can't wait. And I know you guys can't either, especially those of you who listen to the very end of this episode. So that's going to do it for today's edition of Locked on Utes. But we'll see you tomorrow.